thanks for having me today. Of course. I haven't been to Field and Tide since before the pandemic, so it's been a long time. Well, we've got a lot of new things going on here. We've made some big changes since the pandemic. We're uh, very excited for everybody to come and try it out. Well, you know, the space looks so different. I was, when I walked in, you know, last time I had been here, I think the patio was either very new or you guys were working on it. And now you have this big sprawling space in the Heights. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, well, it took us some time to do a lot of what we wanted to do. Uh, we didn't want to just blow it all up at one time. I wanted to make sure what we were doing was correct. And we had to make some changes actually after uh, some things that we had had put in. And now I think that we're at kind of our ending point. There's little minor touches, maybe some a little bit more gardening. But so far, I'm very happy with the uh, atmosphere that we've produced for uh, our guests. So I want to talk about Field and Tide, such a great Heights staple. When did this restaurant open? So we opened February 13th of 2017. So almost five years? Almost five years coming up. Are you going to have a big party? Uh, well, I'm going to talk to my PR chick. <laughs> see what she do, does. Do what, do what she says, huh? Yeah. Well, that's a milestone. I feel like in a city like Houston, especially after the year that we've had, that's definitely worth celebrating. Absolutely. I think that we're very fortunate uh, that we kept our doors open during the entire pandemic. We kept the majority of our staff that have been here for a long time. We told anybody that was uh, let go uh, that they could come back. They would have a job whenever we would open the doors back up. We wow. guaranteed them that. That's, that's amazing. So, so I know that there was obviously some changes in the last year with having to be closed for some time and everything, but you guys are usually open lunch, dinner, and weekend brunch, which it's probably why it is such a neighborhood gem because people know that they can count on you. Has that changed at all or is it no, still that way? We are still open seven days a week, uh, serving lunch and dinner Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday we have brunch and then it goes into dinner. Um, I do close sometimes holidays. I like to have my staff have a little bit of a break. So the day before Thanksgiving, we close that evening so everybody can be with their families and get stuff ready. Uh, Christmas Eve, we close full day so everybody can have that day, Christmas yeah, Day. Sure. New Year's Eve, we close at 9 o'clock. We don't stay up until midnight. And then New Year's Day, we're closed because I think New Year's Day is kind of a day where everybody is not in a good mood in the general. <laughs> and they're not their best selves. Yes. So, so uh, you're I like, stay home. Stay home. Yes. And then 4th of July weekend. So there's some times where we let everybody uh, have their breaks. And I feel like that creates loyalty in a company. Sure. Um, you know, everybody wants to have those major holidays off. And we are one of a, a, one of few companies that actually does that. Well, that's awesome. That's definitely, you know, at a time now where staffing can be really hard and people are really looking for good people, you're going to get those good people because of, because of those reasons. So that's really good to know. Let's talk about when you started this restaurant almost five years ago, what was your vision for it? Because I know that there's a Southern influence on the menu. There's definitely a lot of, I mean, you have some great, you need some, some different some different things. Yes. So my whole idea for this restaurant uh, was to not have a restaurant where it would be just one cuisine. And so that that's where the name came in. And I went to a group of friends and we were bouncing names off. And I spitballed. One of them was, was like Tides and Field. And he was like, oh, turn that around, man, Field and Tides. And I was like, that's it. And I went, I made some logos and they were very masculine. And I was like, this is not what I'm looking for. So I went to a friend and she got it done and we came up with the logo that we have. And then 
the food kind of just unraveled from there. I had a few ideas for dishes, but I wanted somewhere where you could get something different. Everybody gets something different. So we do have, we are very Southern forward, but we have Asian influence. We have Latin, we have French, we have Creole. Um, a lot of that is put into it. We've even had some Mediterranean and even Pakistani stuff. So, well, how often does the menu change? Is this is are all those things on the menu right now today, or has that been stuff you've explored over stuff the years? Stuff we've explored over the years. The menu we try to keep, uh, we try to change it twice a year. We were doing four times a year, um, uh, every quarter when we first opened, and that really got hard to be creative. So I think that right now. We stuck to doing two, and we have stuff that can go in through you know two or three seasons. Especially through. in a city like Houston, where the seasons are they kind change, of they change. Yeah. But we do like to keep our our ingredients fresh, and we like to be able to have stuff that is uh, it's like widely accessible as well. So yeah, I want to talk about the ingredients because you know you'll hear a restaurant say, "Oh yeah, you know we source local," but I want to know you know what kinds of things you're sourcing, who you work with, and what kinds of dishes. That so arts we works uh, locally. Through a couple of companies. One of them is uh, Lone Star Produce. We get some of our produce from them, but we also get it from our farm, Huckleberry Farms, which is my family's farm. Oh, wow. So we get tomatoes, asparagus, cucumbers, herbs when we can. Um, now, the rest is filled up through the Lone Star Company. Uh, our seafood is brought in from our good friend Walter Rodriguez, who owns Living Waters, and he sources all of our stuff for us. And then our meats, we use different companies. Uh, we use Buckhead. Old Eats. I use Pat LaFrida out of New York. That's not a local one, but I like their products. Mm -hmm. uh, and then other things like grains and stuff like that, we use uh, a company called Anson Mills out of uh, South Carolina. They give us our grits and our uh, Sea Island peas. Wow. So. Cool. It's kind of all over. Yeah, we, no, that's like that's great. Well, that, back to your, just real quick, your family's farm. That's pretty convenient. It is. <laughs> uh, you know, we're very fortunate that my in-laws, they have built this humongous garden that's almost the size of our restaurant, at, at least the size of this private dining room. Where is it? It's in Round Top, Texas. Okay, nice. Um, and they harvest stuff for uh, me and my brother-in-law. Wow. So. Very, so was that part of the reason that you decided to do a restaurant like this or no. was that, did that come after? So I wanted to do a restaurant like that. I've always wanted to, I've worked for a lot of people and I've, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was younger. I just, I kind of got into cooking because my mom did it and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I can do this. And I started working at restaurants and then I decided I wanted to go to culinary school. I was like, I could do this for a living. And then I worked for a bunch of companies around here in Houston and I wasn't getting any equity and I was like, you know what? I want to open my own place. And I had this vision of just, I knew I wanted to be in the Heights. I didn't know the type of food I wanted. I know I didn't want to be stuck with uh, one cuisine. I wanted to be able to change it out. And I wanted people to be able to come in and get different items. So it kind of just developed over that. So you said that you had, you went to culinary school and you worked at a different bunch of different places in Houston. Would people have recognized your, you're cooking from other places. Can you share some of the? I worked for uh, Marks. Worked for him for a little over three and a half years as his executive sous chef. Wow. Uh, worked for Charles Clark. I worked for him at Ibiza and at Catalan, both him and Chris Shepard, uh, as sous chef at Ibiza and then baker at Catalan. Um, I also worked 
I was the opening chef for Liberty Kitchen. I did all their stuff with them, and that was a, a lot of fun. That's where I really kind of started putting teams together and started really developing my skill uh, and realizing that, hey, I could do this on my own. Um, those are the big three that I worked for here in Houston. Yeah, so. I'm, then I'm sure people, I mean, those are popular Houston restaurants. So I'm sure that they probably. I'm so sorry. No, no problem. Um, so let's talk about the food. Uh, you have a lot, a lot going on with lunch and dinner and brunch. So let's talk about some of the dishes that have you started with and have been on the menu and will be on there forever. All right. So the very first dish I ever made for this restaurant was the scallops and tripping crab risotto. It will never leave. I, that is our number one seller. You get three pan-seared scallops. You get shrimp and crab risotto, uh, uh, lemon butter, brevlanc. Um, I mean, it's just with fried basil. It's just, it's homey, it's filling, and it's delicious. You know, you don't get scallops everywhere, and when you do, sometimes they're not great. I, I mean, I'm just being honest. So it's. I agree. I am. I'm sure. There's that's a fine great. line between. Uh, it being cooked perfect, right, and then being overcooked, and they get rubbery. And anyone who has tried cooking them at home, like myself, knows that that can happen in a few seconds. So, um, uh, the next two dishes: uh, pimento cheese fritters with uh, red pepper jelly. Those uh, that came up, like I was just like, man, I want to do something that is just a quick and easy appetizer that's delicious and hot. And I just kind of like I didn't realize how to do it until the day that we actually did a, uh, a guest opening. I told my partner at the time, I was like, I never tried this, but I think it's going to work. <laughs> and it worked. It, it, it was one of our, it's one of our biggest sellers. And then the fried oysters and Brussels sprouts, uh, we do Gulf oysters. We fry them in a cornmeal battle. So anybody that has a, uh, a gluten allergy, you're safe with this. Um, and then we take shaved Brussels sprouts. We deep fry them and we do a sambal, Sambal chili and honey, like sauce that goes that over. That sounds it. so good. A little sweet and spicy. And then it's got some fish sauce in there. Nice. It's delicious. So, do you find it's obviously field and tide, so there's plenty of from the earth and then from the sea. So, what do you find, I guess, for the heights is more what do people? Tides. They gravitate toward the fish. A lot of people. Uh, we sell a, a, a majority of our sales go through seafood. See, I thought um, you were going to say like steak or something. No. Like, uh, we sell our fair share, but seafood is definitely the number one seller. Like between our tomato crab stack, our redfish, our scallops, all these things that are just super fresh and people are trying to eat a little bit better. I'm not saying that my food's the healthiest, <laughs> um, but you know, that is our number one seller. Those are our number one sellers is seafood by far. Well, so you just said you're food might not be the healthiest, but it, do you see return customers? Like is your lunch oh, you have yeah. lighter options during lunch? Cause people always want like a salad. There's definitely or... lighter options. I'm not saying that we're like full blown cal caloric <laughs> intake. Yeah, Cause it doesn't strike me as that way. It's not like yeah. we like, here's a, here's a good example. Like our steak, you think you get like a steak, uh, a ribeye. So we do a pan seared or cast iron seared ribeye. And then we top it off with a uh, Szechuan cucumber, mint, coriander, and basil like salad. So that makes it light and fresh. And then it's topped off with a little togoroshi, which is a J Japanese spice, uh, tater tot. 
like yeah. a small little potato. And then it's got yuzu aioli and then some uh, salmon roe. So it, it, it's got, it's bright and fresh. So it's right. not, you, you don't feel like eating something that's super heavy. Like if you go to a steakhouse and you're eating steak and you're getting the scalloped potatoes or mashed potatoes, right. you're getting the asparagus. You feel super full out. Exactly. Right. This is, you can have this, you can get a salad, you can get that, and you can get a dessert and still feel like good. You're not feeling that right. overwhelmingness. And I do think that the ingredients, the quality of the ingredients helps with that because they're, you know, people are, they know that they're going to get quality stuff here. Exactly. It's not, I'm not going to mention any names, but it's not just, you know, factory. Just, I know what you, you mean. You know, right. <laughs> So what is what would you say if someone's trying Field and Tides for the first time? I'm sure you've got plenty of regular customers, but if they're coming out to Field and Tides for the first time, what is a must try? A must try your first three things that I would get appetizer wise. To choose between these two would be right now the crab tostada. Oh wow, that sounds good. Pimento cheese fritters and the uh, Brussels uh, uh, fried Brussels and fried oysters appetizer. Those are like. Must tries. Uh, if you want, if you're looking for something that's on the seafood side, I would go with the Sea Island pea spread. Delicious. Uh, Is go, that just a spread made of peas? So we take Sea Island peas. It's it's like a hummus. Okay. We take Sea Island peas, and we puree them with uh, tahini, uh, some onion powder, garlic powder, olive oil. Break it down, and then it gets put into a dish, and then it's topped off with uh, crushed tomatoes and cucumbers, and then some. Uh, sumac spice wow. and then it's served with uh cake and bacon's sourdough uh batards another local yes vendor. nice so that's that's a really good vegetarian dish right off the bat like that's delicious to me it's refreshing uh go well not to go not to go off too much but do you do a lot of vegan or vegetarian options i try to have include incorporate two vegan or vegetarian dish if not a little bit more i i think that any chef that can create something that's kind of different like that it shows that your well your, your willingness to support especially this community there is a lot more vegetarians out there now and in this neighborhood in montrose there's quite a few more right so and some people well, like myself i prefer to eat vegetarian sometimes i just think sometimes it takes the chef more uh, it, you have to it, be a little bit more creative exactly when you make a vegetarian dish it's got to taste good and you don't you can't depend on that flavor from the meat. So, uh, well, that's good to know that people can come here and get something. Yeah. And then going into entree or actually going into salads, my favorite salad right now is the pea shoot salad. We take pea shoots, uh, micro pea shoots, a little arugula, um, cured egg. So we take an egg yolk and we cure it for seven days Wow. and then we clean it and then it gets grated over the top, a little buttermilk ranch. I know that sounds crazy, but it's no, like, it's not like Hidden Valley Ranch. It's it's good buttermilk that we use, and it's it's homemade uh, radishes and benny seeds. It's wow. one of my favorite salads, and I think that people get a little scared because they're just like, I don't know about the the pea shoots. I don't. It's delicious. Yeah, you gotta um, think outside the box. Sometimes. Exactly. Um, uh, our gumbo is great. I like. I, I'm a big gumbo guy, so I really like our gumbo. But we also have. Well, some, what's the, the debate on that? Like. With sausage or without? Uh, mine's with sausage okay. and chicken. I don't do the seafood. I think that uh, for us, we have enough seafood items on there, and I wanted something where I don't want to. I don't want somebody to get a overcooked piece of seafood in their gumbo. Right. Because there's nothing worse when you get a shrimp 
that is like rubber. Rubbery, and just chewy. Like, yeah. No, it's been sitting in the steam well for a while. I don't want that. So I did chicken and sausage. But we also have something that's very different that a lot of people don't have is we also have she crab soup, which is a Charleston like favorite. Like it is traditional uh, she crab soup. It's made with uh, uh, crab broken down and then we cook it with uh, mirepoix, which is celery, onions, and carrots, a little seafood, a little crab stock. And then we break that down. We puree the crab bodies full into it. And then we add cream and then it gets strained and we add sherry to it. So it's like a crab bisque. And, yeah. then, we, and then our uniqueness of it is that we put boiled egg and crab on the top as well. Oh, wow. That it. sounds decadent. So it's really, meat. really good. Not the... <laughs> Not the best summer dish right now, um, but definitely, like, we still set, sell our fair share of it. Uh, Entree-wise, I really like our uh, our redfish right now, and redfish is just, it's a Gulf seafood thing. Yeah. It's delicious. Um, and again, you don't see that everywhere, so when I see it on the menu, I want it, you know? Uh, and then halibut. We do a, a pistachio and pine nut crusted halibut. With celery, celery root puree, a little brown butter, and some sautéed mushrooms. And it is, like, it's so delicious and so fresh. It's got this crunch. And then you get the celery. You get the earthiness from the celery and then the mushrooms and then the brown butter. gives it depth. And it is it's just so good. That all sounds great. You know, all the seafood options you mentioned. Well, I mean, so far, a lot of the things you mentioned, I mean, I eat out all the time. And they sound very unique. I haven't heard of a lot of these flavors being put together at other restaurants. So I can imagine that people come here and really see something different. It's a lot just tinkering with the menu and being able to figure out what works. And when you run it as a special, when you sell, you know, 15 orders in 30 minutes, you're like, okay. Is well, that how you sometimes find out what might stay on the menu? Yes. Run it as a special. Right. And it's, it, and that's also up to your wait staff is how well they can sell something right. as well. Um, and fortunate for us, we actually have a very good team. Um, I think we're very fortunate in the people that we have hired. So, On the brunch side of things, is it equally as meat-heavy and seafood-heavy, or is no. it more like traditional brunch? It is more Latin-forward. Oh, wow. So we have uh, – I would say seafood-wise, the, the crab tostada is the one seafood item in the morning, but then we also have like a crab and avocado toast, and then the chilaquiles – that we do, which is a traditional uh, Hispanic dish that has tor fried tortilla chips, salsa verde, um, and eggs over the top, and then ch uh, queso fresco and cilantro and chilies. And it's just, it's delicious. One of my favorite things. And then we also do um, chorizo and eggs, which is one of my, like, it was my go-to thing in the morning when I would be going to work. I'd, be, I'd stop at a taqueria and i grab two chorizo and egg tacos and then go to work. And then that was my thing. I was like, gotta have it on the menu. Um, there are some, you know, traditional American breakfast stuff, but I would say that people more focus on, on the stuff that are kind of more unique. Mm -hmm. uh, biscuits and gravy is also another one that is my favorite, but also we, we also have a dish called SOS. What's that? It's called shit on a shingle. Oh my God. It's How an, can you name a dish that? It's an army dish. Okay. Um, and it's it's toasted or it's uh, toasted bread, and then it's topped off with gravy, 
and then topped off with brisket and then topped off with eggs. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah, I'm seeing it on the menu now. SOS. Does anyone ever ask what does it stand for? I think why? that most people know okay. what it is. If you're, especially if you're an army brat, okay. uh, you would know. Uh, but I think that people see the Dang toast, yeah. the gravy and the brisket. And they're like, Oh, sounds we'll, amazing. We'll it sounds hearty. It is. So in the Heights, there's obviously a big, you know, I would say Saturday or Sunday fun day scene. People want to go out for mimosas and day drink and all that. How is how is it over here? Is your cocktail program pretty good? Do you do mimosas with the brunch? I think that our cocktail program program is very good. Um, we do do a very big brunch, but it is so hot in Houston right now that our patio doesn't really use it. But this these two rooms fill up quite fast because everybody wants to be inside. Nobody right. wants to be outside with it. So you have a really unique layout here, and I want to describe it since for the people who are listening, it's your main dining room, which is really charming, kind of, you know, like a square. It's a square shape, and all the thing and the bars in there. But then you've got this other room used as a PDR, but people can dine here. And it has its own bar, its own restrooms, and it opens up to this beautiful patio. And two patios. You have two yes. patios. So this really is three patios. Where's the third patio? One, two, three. Oh, my gosh. It's like a maze out of here. But it's really spread out. It really makes that um, dining over and over different each time it does i think that we're very fortunate in that aspect that we were able to gain this building this i wouldn't have done this restaurant without having this separate building yeah this building has made our life 100 times better right um it's newer first off yeah it's really um, pretty. we no, we had to gut this building but we kept the four walls are the only thing that we kept we redid the bathrooms we did the floors now um, out of the bar in. Yeah, it, it has the Field and Tides personality now, you can tell. Exactly. It matches the other building, and um, and it just seems like a fun place to, to eat and drink. It is, and this is a, a good place, like, when we either to have a private event or when you're in here dining with your family and you want to catch a game in here or something like that, we're very lucky that we have this space to have that. Yeah, so. it's very cool. So I want to I wanna ask you a question. Where, what, where do you live? What's your neighborhood? I live in Spring Valley, which is right outside Memorial. Um, my go-to neighborhood stuff is actually I got a Don Julio's Taqueria, which is right behind me, and then uh, I've gone to Fiji's Barbecue, which just opened yeah, up there. Yeah, that's new, right? I've been there a few times, and Slowpokes, and then if I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a good, uh, you know, a dinner. I go to either Arturo's or I go to uh, the original Carabas. Those are all really good choices. So. I like all those places. Well, nice. Thank you so much, Travis. I feel like this was so enlightening because there's just so much to eat and drink here that it can be overwhelming. But I think you just really talked us through it. Now I'm hungry. Nice. <laughs> Glad to so help you out. Travis. Thank you.